Happy Thursday, everybody, and welcome back to Five at the Back. Usually, you join us for a talk about the game played on big green spaces with 11 players and a big, relatively bouncy ball. But today, we're changing tact. Today, we're talking about futsal. So, it's me, Ben. It's Jordan. Hello, everyone. And it's Tom. Hello, hello. But the fourth member of our back four today is a very special guest, John Tapia Owens, manager of Bloomsbury Futsal Club and Hertfordshire Uni Futsal. John, do you want to introduce yourself? Hi, guys. Yeah, uh, thanks for, for having me on. And yeah, pleasure to, to be able to talk a little bit about futsal um, on today's podcast. So it's a bit of a balance with our listeners. It's, it's a sport that some people... A lot, a lot of people love and some people have never heard of and some people sort of know what is and sort of isn't. So, um, Tom, Jordan, I think you guys, before we get into sort of some finer details, had a couple of questions for John just to sort of, um, yeah, just represent some of the wider views maybe. Yeah, so me and Tom today are kind of representing almost an outsider of, of, of the sport. Um, from what we've seen, we've enjoyed, but only really since, since getting to know Ben that we've kind of... Um, properly like taken it in so just kind of representing uh, as I say the outsider why should anyone care about futsal really what is it why is it important why is it good and and, and what makes it so entertaining um, really good question to be honest um, I think it's a, a split of, of many different things um, firstly and foremost I think people need to be aware that they can use futsal forever for whatever they want to really um, I know there's always a debate around whether it should be its own sport, whether it should be used for football development. And I think that, that both opinions are valid. I think that people should be able to use it however they want and, and get the best out of it. So in terms of why, why people love it, um, if you're looking at, at youth development, from a football side, it's, it's small, it's tight, loads of touches, tight spaces, loads of technical development, loads of tactical development. Um, loads of physical returns in terms of being able to, to run up and down, um, being able to, to play in multiple positions um, within a short time frame. All of that side for youth development, um, both from a football or football perspective, it, it is really, really helpful. From an adult perspective, um, same thing, really. I think the, the games are entertaining. Um, the the momentum changes a lot quicker than in football, so very similar to, to indoor sports like basketball, handball, um, any sport along that side, that the momentum can change very, very quickly. And effectively, the game isn't over really until until the final buzzer um, due, due to the nature of the rules and regulations. And then the size of the court uh, and that quick change momentum can mean that even if you are a couple of goals down with, with a minute to go, you're still able to or even potentially win the game as well. Um, so that's what makes it entertaining, exciting, um, and yeah, broad range from whether you want to, to use it as a senior um, tool or, or from a youth tool as well. I think I think the point you make about uh, momentum is really interesting. Like I've I've not been playing futsal for a, a great deal of time, but something I've really noticed is it is crazy. Like if you're three 0 down in a game with you know two minutes to go, like that's something that would seem almost unattainable in in you know in a lot of situations but with futsal it's like you know two minutes is a 
a ridiculously long time to do a lot with the ball and do a lot with the game. Um, and I think that's something that draws a lot of people who watch it for the first time or first couple of times to it. Yeah, no, I, I think, look, from a, from a playing perspective or from a coaching perspective, I think the ability to manage momentum is, is as I say, the top end of any sport, um, whether that's football, futsal, um, futsal, basketball, being able to manage the momentum becomes a lot more difficult because of the, the consistent changing or shifting of momentum as well. So look, being able to take advantage when, when you're on top of momentum and being able to either limit those times when you're not in momentum and the other team's on top or uh, restrict the, the damage that they cause when they're on top in terms of momentum or not concede, I think for us is, is something that we speak about consistently as, as a team as well. Um, and when, when we can master that, of course, we give ourselves a good chance of winning m- most games. Okay, yeah, and if I was just going to come up with a question, um, as Ben mentioned, you manage a football club and a futsal club. So, what what do you say? What do you think are like the biggest differences when, in terms of training or your approach to training, each of those different sports? Well, very good question. Yeah. Um, I think that from a futsal perspective, um, we train in. Of course, one would be the, the spatial constraints. Um, originally, I think that. Sometimes when you are a futsal coach or have experience in futsal and then want to go back into football, you can get caught into the into the error sometimes of always training in tight, constrained spaces. So I think it's understanding the transferables and um, the relatable exercises or, or concepts that you can transfer over to the other ones. And then, of course, in, in football, we still work over large spaces, um, being able to take advantage of those as well but for us it's really around um we do a lot of work around understanding space and being able to, to utilize that space whether that's through molding it or, or creating space and then taking advantage of that as well so the principle stays exactly the same it's just that those spatial constraints are, are a lot bigger within football and therefore the the execution or the solution points become very very different football we Play on longer balls sometimes, or or futsal will still play longer balls, but those those distances are a lot shorter, of course. Um, how we've managed to cross it over this year. So with the women's women's program, we've done it's our first year that we've really uh, done dual dual pathway. So a lot of the players that play football also play futsal, and therefore we we train football once a week, and then with the same same players will play uh, will train futsal once a week as well and then they'll have a football game on a Wednesday and a futsal game of course on a Saturday as well um, so for us it's been the first real year of blending both and we've really started to, started to see the returns on, on both sides uh, to be honest whether that's from a tech, social or psychological point of view as well No that sounds really interesting um, and I just wanted to ask a question that to be fair you might not even be able to answer I'm not even sure if there's a if there is an answer to it, but talking about like the transferable skills between the two sports, do you think it'd be easier for someone that's played, say, plays football at a really high level to then, would it be a quicker adaptation period to then go into futsal, like, and be a really good futsal player, or the other way around, it's easier to become from a, a really good futsal, um, like, background to become, like, a high-level footballer? I think it re- it's really individualised. I think there are, it's not a carte bunch approach that, that I would say football players, that football players adapt better to football than, than football players adapt better to 
foot south. For me, again, it goes down to the understanding of, of space overloads and, and creating advantages. So you can have a football player that, that understands very much the 1v1, the 2v2s. And I think the, the way that football is going now in terms of it's a lot more tactical on a 11v11, those advantages of 1v1, 2v2, 3v3 are where the, where the game gets unlocked. If you look at the recent World Cup, I think it was 90% of goals or something were, were, were scored with less than four players involved. So if we're looking at a foot style, which is four outfield players, then it's the same principles apply. So I think my answer maybe five years ago would have been very different in terms of I would have said futsal players definitely transfer best football. But then I, I think that sometimes we can underestimate the level of understanding within within football and especially those that, that are at the top end of it as well. I think that's a really interesting point you make, certainly about how um, how football is evolving and sort of potentially maybe how that's starting to um, complement futsal a little bit better potentially but I, I really like the idea of um, w- with Bloomsbury it seems like a fantastic setup you've got there with the dual pathways and it being obviously a, a, you know having the, the futsal and the football um, I sort of just want to get I, I, I'm aware there'll be a few people who are involved in the futsal community listening to this and um, I just think the NFS is a really interesting league at the minute um, and I, I just wanted to get your sort of, if you could tell us a little bit about your role at Bloomsbury, um, how long you've been there and and just how you're enjoying the league and obviously what has been a, a really, really impressive season so far this year. Yeah, and no, as I say, the um, in terms of what we are at Bloomsbury, my role, so I'm currently the, the first team manager and then I run the programmes that we running partnership with Hertfordshire University so that's the men's football program which is a performance program and then the women's football program again which is a performance program as well um, so yes yeah, split over two or three different sides and, and teams and managing predominantly senior players on that side um, in terms of my role more or less at Bloomsbury I've been there now for what what would be five years encompassing the era of pro football um, pro futsal is what we used to be called and then we merged with Bloomsbury two years ago so I was manager of, of pro futsal first team and then we merged with Bloomsbury um, and subsequently stayed on uh, John Current who's the founder of pro futsal is now sort of the futsal program manager at Bloomsbury and we run an academy of uh, around 200, 200 kids but Bloomsbury as a whole engages about 5,000 kids every week in, in London um, and that's through different programs, through futsal schools, um, football, all of that side as well, Bears, um, camps, of course. Um, so, yeah, my role is more on the more on the futsal side and more at the, the top end of the futsal side. Um, and then, as I say, in the past, I used to help out with the academy. But, yeah, since we went into Bloomsbury, I think I've, I've been able to pull away from that side a little bit more. Um, predominantly focus on the players that, that are now pushing into that first team environment um, a little bit more and that's where, where our time goes. In terms of the NFS, yeah, um, so we, again, similar with, with Pro Futsal, um, we started in Division 2 uh, about four or five years ago and then when the restructuring of the, the NFS came about, we applied to be in, in Tier 1. Um, we believe that our academy and the, the infrastructure around the club warranted or merited that as well and we were very fortunate to be granted that um, the first year that, that we came about 
Um, and this had the incorporation of a lot of uh, senior England players. So Richard Ward, Calvin Dixon, Russell Goldstein, John Current, of course, who, who's involved. Johnny Sin, the goalkeeper. Jared Rand, who was captain in the under-19s at the time. Um, and, of course, we had Denison uh, still on our books as well. And then the transition from Pro Report to Bloomsbury, we've had the similar players over the last five years. And I think this year has been the first year where we faced a big transition in the summer through one reason or, or the other. Some players moving away, some players dedicating themselves more to football, um, some players moving on to different clubs. Um, and we had to, to readdress which players we were going to bring in. Um, and then, yeah, fortunately for us, it, it has clicked so far this season. Um, but we're, we're aware that the playoffs is always a different ball game as well. Yeah, I think I like like the playoffs is a um, is such a sort of the idea that you could you know you could win <laughs> win the league title and then not not sort of have the overall success at the end of the season. I think is something that's really interesting. Um, I think. I, I, I was I was at the um I was at the velodrome a couple of weeks ago watching um watched the first game of the day Manchester but, but you guys obviously of course versus um versus Helvetia and obviously that's quite a big London derby um and a and a, a big game in English futsal how how did you enjoy that because that was I thought that was a, a fantastic game um yeah yeah no as I say we, we those games we always enjoy. Um, I think people are quick to jump on. Probably we're enjoying them a little bit more now because we're winning. Um, <laughs> it's not the case. I think that I think for the last four years, whether it's pro Bloomsbury, whatever, whenever we played them, um, I thoroughly enjoyed it. It challenges us as, as players. It challenges us as a team, and it challenges selfishly me, me as a coach as well. And I think that's where this season, at the start of the season, like you said, where we had a lot of transitional players, I had to, I had to look at myself as well um, and really address, um, number one, my behaviours, number two, what I wanted the team to look like. Um, and we had a lot, a lot of talks internally between myself and who was the assistant at the time, Luke Webb, on, on making a more resilient team, a more, a more together team as well, and a more uh, ruthless team on that side as well. And I think that's where we put all of our focus in terms of we've done a lot of analysis work. We, we we have a huddle subscription. The players do a lot of analysis work themselves individually. And yeah, we, we, we like to be we like to be electric, we like to be exciting, hopefully as well. Um and look playing those games this year. Um we, we seem to have the rubber the green and, and we've managed to win, as I say, that do the double over Helvestia for the first time um in our history and I think as I say for the first time in a, probably I haven't seen another team beat them twice in the, in the league for as I say for a long time probably since the era of Baku so like, it's credit to what the players are doing and, and the, the effort they're putting in week in week out Well look at that guys we've got some, some proper futsal pedigree then on the uh, on the five at the back podcast this week <laughs> <laughs> um, Just one more thing on Helvetia quickly because I think this is something that's personally really interested me this season is um Rants and bants role at Helvetia. Um, I don't know your your sort of um, what connections you have with Helvetia. I know futsal is a fairly tight knit community in the UK, but um, he's a Twitch streamer, and from what I understand, he's currently chairman of Helvetia and doing quite a lot of work on their social media. What what sort of um, have you met him? Do you do you know you know? I, I wanted to get your thoughts on it because I think that's a certainly an inter- interesting development. 
yeah, look, look, we haven't we haven't met, I haven't spoken to them. I don't I don't know them personally. Um, in terms of the model that they're doing now is slightly different, probably to the model that they've done in the past, and that they're getting more social ex- social media exposure. They're doing it through YouTube, um, all of that type of stuff that they're, the content that they're putting out. Um, it can only help grow the sport in terms of exposing it a little bit more. Um, that's for them to, to address on on how they want to do that and their their model and, and what content they want to put out. Um, for me, again, the, the better that other teams get the better hopefully that we get and the better the league is as well so so for us the more investment whether that's monetary or time it goes into the league and um, we can only be on board with that and i think yeah look fair play fair play to what they're doing fair play to their restructure um and i hope it works out well for them as well yeah absolutely um so to look at, look ahead to your sort of um your next fixture you've got loughborough at home on sunday um what what sort of what sort of a, a game of futsal are you expecting there? Um, look, yeah, very very hard fought game. Um, they're very very physical, very athletic. They 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 can run. Um, they can do damage with us against us. Sorry, when we have the ball, they can do damage against us. When they have the ball and in transitions, especially as well. We know from the, the first game of the season that, that we played against them. Um, we probably had, again, one of our best performances. They were able to, to sort of counter to what they usually do. Um, unfortunately, they still 1-0 up in, in that game. So it's it's about understanding potentially the threat that they can still cause us, even on our one of our better days. Um, but we know it's going to be tight. Look, we faced them last weekend in, in the Uni of Hearts game. So... Luckily, we, we've we've looked at them quite a lot over the last few weeks. We think we we know where their weaknesses are and their strengths, and we we think we know where our weaknesses are and our strengths, and we try and match those up to, to see where we can try and exploit um, opportunities. So you mentioned <laughs> with with Hearts Uni um, at the minute. So if I'm right in saying from a quick check of the Instagram um, yesterday, you're now box prem champions. Um, and so, so if if I'm right in saying you are currently sat top of the NF- NFS Tier One, uh, Bucks Prem champions, and in the National Cup final with Hertfordshire Uni as well. Yeah, that's correct. So we won the South Southern League, um, which we we've managed to do back to back now. So last year and this year we did it. Unfortunately, we lost to Loughborough in last year's final. Um, but yeah, um, the way that it works out this year is that we faced them in the semi and, and managed to beat them. So yeah. We'll be in a final again this year. Hopefully, go one, one more, and make ourselves champions. And yeah, currently with the NFS, um, again, like we are, we are top. But I'm aware that the playoffs is always a, a different ball game as well. And Manchester hot on the tail as well. <laughs> yeah, look, they're they're doing some strong stuff. Um, you know a lot of their players, and look, it's fair playing credit to them in terms of what they they built as a club over the last ten ten years. Um. So. Just to sort of uh, move on and sort of start moving out a little bit. Um, obviously, it's been fantastic news uh, in the last few months that the England pathways are getting back underway through through England futsal. Um, have you have you been involved with that at all? Or sort of obviously, I know you've put a few players forward from Bloomsbury. Um, and what sort of how, how did that come about? Were you consulted in any of that? Or um, yeah. 
No, I think my role is, is the same as any club manager's role in, in the country, which was to nominate some players towards that. And then that, that decision-making process is then a, from their side in terms of head coach, assistant coaches, um, and, and their technical staff on that side. We were we were consulted as as would be any club coach on on what we thought about the players and then but then still individual decisions on on their side and look we were we were fortunate and lucky to have six members as part of that first squad and yeah unlucky that two of them are now injured um, and then therefore we've only got four in the current squad that are out there this week um, but look that's phenomenal for the club um, from our side. Uh, to create players ready for England, whether that's 19s or seniors, is, is part of the, the KPIs or part of the aim of the club. Um, and I think it only further enhances probably our, our narrative and story along that side as well. But yeah, unfortunately, not not sort of involved in any capacity on that side, apart from, of course, cheering on our players and observing uh, when possible as well. Is that is that something that you'd sort of, as with ambitions... As a as a futsal coach that you you'd like to work towards, that might seem like an obvious question. I don't know. Uh, look, I think any any national team role, I think is is always the, the tip of the, It's probably a little bit different, maybe futsal to football. I think national team roles, probably in futsal, are probably tip of the iceberg in terms of what is what you aim for. It's where you want to be competing consistently. I, lo- I love the day to day elements. I love being able to work with players and, and affect tactically games week in, week out and be able to suss out game plans different ones week in, week out does that change slightly for national team? Yeah, um, but look, I'd, I'd still love, love the challenge of being able to work with a national team and, and hopefully create a DNA or, or a philosophy that, that a country can be proud of as well Yeah, so we just... <coughs> We're just wondering about. Well, I was just wondering about where do you really realistically see futsal growing in in the next five and the next ten years? Does it become more of like a, a household name? Does it does it grow? Because obviously, in some countries around the world, it's 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 huge, um, especially in parts of like say South America or or wherever. Could it could it reach them heights in England? Like, where does it go? Um, I think we always joke about it. I think futsal's always on the brink. Um, but it's on the brink in both ways. It's on the brink of either really taking off or, or really, like you saw with COVID, that, that things can go down quite quite drastically, quite quickly as well. So, uh, look, I think for me, we're, we're in a state of within the, if I want to talk about the world first, if we talk about um, some of the predominant football countries, Spain, Portugal, Italy. Look, I think Spain is it's got its own challenges at the moment. In football, the quality out there is, is very, very good. The, the pyramid and the structure out there, you're talking about thousands of players that, that are phenomenal. But at the same time, I think that the, the exposure is, is consistently a challenge for them in terms of number one, competing with the, the 11 aside sport. And then number two, we can also see the challenges now even where with a format such as the Kings League, which, which has really taken off. Um, and if you look at the numbers and viewership of, of the Kings League, um, compared to futsal, it's it's chalk and cheese between both. So I think there's, there's lots that we can learn from the, the Twitch or the YouTube elements, as well as celebrity style and stuff like that, um, to, to be able to enhance the game a little bit further. And I think that's where futsal at the moment needs needs to probably 
reevaluate where, where it wants to go in a few years. Um, there's talk even of uh, there's a coach in Spain that suggested it might be better to go back to uh, grass format and play on a 5v5 um, and thus link it to football a little bit more and maybe get the investment from football. And I think if we link it now back to the UK, um, I think that's the way that the potentially the investment should or could come from would be linking it to the game of football, linking it to the Premier League, um, and therefore trying to really push it and take it off as another opportunity or pathway for players within academies, um, as well as those that are football specialists as well. Um, if we look at the, the Premier League, they already host a Premier League football event for under nines to under twelves, I believe. So that foundation phase, early early YDP phases. Um, hopefully, they'll be able to push that on to thirteens, fourteens, fifteens as well. And I think then the challenge would be around getting like Arsenal, Man City to, to really invest into senior teams as well. And therefore, those players that they potentially are looking at releasing, um, you can give them an, a different pathway. And then, of course, the funding um, from sponsors, etc., comes in uh, by itself, really. Um, so I think, look, Futsal's on, on the brink always. I think we need to be very smart about what we want to be and where, where it wants to sit. And I think it's also understanding strengths of, of the 11 side game and the strengths of the sports around and, and really learning from those as well. I think I, I, I like the point that you make about in terms of like Spain, even where in a country where futsal is traditional and huge and played by so many more people than here, that it's still struggling to compete with obviously like the Kings League funded by PK and things like that. But in terms of sort of futsal branding itself better and when when that comes to the UK like I think one thing that sort of as I've learned about the game a little bit more like I've come to realise with the NFS like there's still in this country even though it's not up up there with the the same sort of profile of the other leagues around Europe there are still top quality players and in, international players and players with Champions League experience playing in, in NFS tier one like do you do you think that's a responsibility that they need to be like the it needs to brand and expose itself more that it's got that quality in like do you think the market is there for it do you think the interest is there for it i think it's a challenge i think if you're looking at a a team um the problem with the investment from the clubs is always going to be if it costs us if we invest thirty thousand into it for a season um to compete and we're, that is good for us, that, that we know that then we're going to win the league with 30,000 30, or, or X, whatever it costs. Why would we invest even more? And, and I think from a club's perspective, we can't really invest until we start to get returns, whether that's through crowds, whether that's through sponsors, etc. So I, I don't think it's on the clubs or the league. I think it's, it's on everybody at the same time. Um, because, of course, without, without investment and without... Sort of professionalism i don't think we can then go professional i think that for for us to, we we're quite solid and we train twice a week and the players are quite consistent in that but for us to get even better i think you then need to look at training three times a week four times a week and the problem with that is that players have external lives players have other jobs not professional for them so for, for them to do that, we would need to incentivize them or, or give them a different opportunity for them to be able to do that. And then, of course, your players improve. But the problem is, I think, 
especially if, if you're talking now about nine teams that have just gone out there and, and are doing doing okay and they did well in the last round. I think the biggest struggle is then their their professional development from the age of 19 to 25 compared to that the professional development of a player in Italy, a player in Ukraine, a player in Spain. They're, they're now going to go to training four or five times a week plus our players are going to go to training once or twice a week for the next five years. And I think that's always going to be the challenge those years and then the investment from the clubs as well. So I think, I, I, like, because we speak about sort of, you know, this whole... Like I, I, spoke to, I spoke to Stuart Cook and interviewed him just before Christmas. And he, um, for, for those who don't know, Stuart Cook used to play for England, currently plays and coaches Bolton, uh, who are also in Tier 1. And he he sort of said that the reason that futsal here is sort of limited is because it's going like like you said, similar to Spain, it's going up against this this juggernaut that is football, um, and the sort of level of professionalism in football is so much more attractive to players who could have that quality. Um, so, in that sense, like, what do you think? Like, do you think fo- football and futsal then need to have a relationship? in order for futsal to improve? Look, I, I think futsal needs sustainability. And I think the, the one thing that, that football has, um, and more predominantly in this country, is probably sustainability. And I think that's where the, the challenge really for futsal comes from, is that we always push ourselves away from football, but football can give us the sustainability that, that we need, whether that's for financial stability, whether that's for... Um, fan base for for, be, for players all of that side um, is where we can really learn from football as well um, one of the one of the, the bonuses that England has that, that works against futsal probably is the, the size of the pyramid so if you're looking at the, the English football in pyramid you could go all the way down to step 4 or 5 players will probably be earning um, quite a healthy sum of money per weekend play Fortunately, we're at the top end of English futsal and, and players are probably earning minimum. Um, and if you're looking on a, on a global scale, some of the top players in Spain that are playing in the top division will be earning less than what players in Step 5 Football England are, uh, are earning. And that, that, if you explain that to people, that's, that's beyond belief. But unfortunately, that's the way futsal is on a, on a global scale. And I think that that's, that's where football currently sits in terms of its heritage and ability and, and sustainability as well. So look, I think if we can learn tricks from, from football as well as partnering with it in different ways, whether that's through the Premier League, through through the EFL, that side, I think look, it'll only enhance further opportunities. Because at the end of the day, we want to keep people in the sport and in the game. And unfortunately, as soon as monetary or stability in terms of employment comes in play, you're looking at football has a little bit more sustainability on that side than probably football does at the moment. Yeah, I think you, I think you make make a lot of very very sensible points. Like these people, it is people with lives and with career, you know, professional other other professional careers at the end of the day, isn't it? No matter how much they enjoy um, enjoy playing, but it is it is such a fun sport. And sort of on that topic, um, as someone clearly with a lot of uh, futsal knowledge and a lot of uh, expertise. 
I want you just to sort of for any any all, all the listeners who might go away today and just you know do a little bit of research on on UK futsal or maybe global futsal as well. Um, I want you to give me give me three players. You you, you can include one Bloomsbury player because I don't want you to be too biased. But give me three players in the UK right now um, who who you like like the look of and think people should keep an eye out for. Oh, tough one. Um, look, I think I think the the level of the, the league has definitely enhanced over um, the last last couple of years. I think each each player has, has got better as a base and a level of understanding of futsal, um, and the teams are definitely improving on that side. So, look, I think if you're looking at, I won't name Lunacy players um, <laughs> on that side, but if you're looking at if you're looking at like some Manchester, for example, I, th- I think Jeff Jeff is somebody very special, and I know that as I say, he played for us for for a couple of years as well. So I'm a little bit biased towards probably Jeff Jeff on that side, and and, and his evolution from uh, university sort of futsal, second division or third division university futsal into now probably one of one of the best English players in in the country, if not one of the best uh, NFS players, is been a credit against the sort of the determination that, and effort that he's put in for that side. Um, on the Helvetia side, I think somebody like Camillo, who, who I've blessed to work with at a university level, is, is somebody very special in terms of technically, um, again, half, half Colombian, half, half English. And I think his, his sort of, he's at his very start of his futsal journey, I think he's only 19. I think what the ability that he's got um, potentially could go on to do some great things. Um, and then oh, I'll keep it English players um, and we'll go with Jordan Edge uh, as well from Manchester. I think, look, I think he's he's sort of improved since he first came onto the scene, um, what, five years ago or so. And he's starting to transition now from, from a youth player into to a senior player within that Manchester side and I think the, the role that he plays within that is, is very instrumental in how they play and again probably somebody that, that England would be would be first on the England team sheet if, if they came back as well Yeah well that's that's hopefully something that I think England Futsal tweeted didn't they um, in reply to someone asking that their next step is to get the, the women's under 19s back for one of the next couple of tournaments and then sort of move from there so um, hopefully that's something that sort of moves along in the next, you know, in in sort of the near future. Because um, I think it it, yeah. it would be nice for people to have that have that sort of ambition to think that they, you know, like the, like the 19s are doing at the minute, have that ambition to be able to 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 put on that England shirt playing futsal, you know. Yeah, I think for like I said before about um, coaching their national team, but look, I think for any player playing for your national team um, in the sport that you compete in is probably the pinnacle. So, look, I think whether it's women's or, or men's, I think there needs to be both. And I think from a case of, of women's 19s, it gives, again, that probably initiative and pathway for university programs, college programs to invest more into the sport. And therefore, then we can start creating a pathway for women's and, and a full pathway for men's as well. Uh, once again, I think that's where it really needs to come back to. And uh, 
I just want to I just want to finish on um, looking ahead just for the rest of the season. Obviously, you've got um, you know you've got some got some work to do, um, but there's going to be a there's going to be a big game. I believe the penultimate league game of the season um, is going to be your Bloomsbury side taking on Manchester, if I'm correct. Um, yeah. Do you want to just give us a little? Yeah, yeah. In, at, at the beacon of light. Yeah. Um, do you want to just sort of give us a little, a little preview of that, just to get people, get people excited? <laughs> yeah. Look, I, th- I think um, if we both get to that game in the same positions that we're in now, um, like I think, regardless of us potentially dropping a game or them potentially dropping a game, it will still be a, a very tight knit and unfought contest. Um, we were fortunate to play in the first game of the season. Um, very close game as well. That that we were we were lucky or, or fortunate to get a better of those crucial moments of the game and, and manage the momentum a little bit better, probably in stages. Um, but look, they'll be a they're a very good side. They'll be looking to, to hopefully finish top um, the same way that, that we are as well. Do a lot a lot of damage on on their four zero and and how they play and, and look to play and beyond. Well playing as well as playing in between the lines, and and they've got individual players that can do damage as well in terms of dribbling, whether that's Jeff, Jordan, um, and of course Danny. Danny with his uh, shots on the outside is always a threat as well. It's got a strike um, on him, hasn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so look, uh, I think that so we always try and understand their their strengths and weaknesses, and then we we we're aware that we've got strengths that. But we can try and combat those as well. We've got players that, that are playing currently very, very well. Uh, Ryan, Eddie, um, our two pivots in, in Connor and Wardy are, are very strong at the moment. And, and of course, the goalkeepers are, have been outstanding this season in terms of number one, um, keeping clean sheets. Um, and number two, yes, yeah, big saves in big moments for us as well. And that's where we've really been able to build from as well. So look, we'll try and do something very similar against them. Um, and and yeah, look, win or lose, as long as we perform, that's where we see our. That's where we try and put our energy into. Sounds very, very, uh, very exciting indeed. I think I think Jordan or Tom has yep. just one more question. Yeah, John, just um, one last question. Up, yeah. um, so, quite an easy one. If if you could create your dream futsal side from the current crop of Premier League players, who would you choose? Difficult one. I know that people probably expect everybody to put Max Kilman on that side, um, probably because he's got a bit of experience in, in the sport already. Um, look, I think from a goalkeeping perspective, more and more goalkeepers now that probably have those techniques that, that can sort of cross over. I think, look, I'm a... I'm, I'm going to be biased. I'm, I'm going to put Edison in goal um, just with his ability to play with his feet as well. Um, I'm sure on a smaller pitch, you can probably get a few strikes off as well, um, as well as big saves in big moments. Edison playing fly say, keeper is something I'd like to see. <laughs> yeah, that'd be, that'd be a good one. Um, as a fix, oh, tough one. Um, I think three teams now at the moment. I would have to go with somebody probably along the lines of, of a Rodri in that in that way um, to try and balance the play. 
be a bit of a disruptor, um, as well as having a threat going forward on that side. The pivot, I think we could all probably agree that, that Haaland would probably be, be there or thereabouts um, in terms of ability to, to hold up players, as well as ability to find the, find the net. And then two wingers, let's go with... Let's go with Rashford on one wing and I'll stick with Salah on the other wing as well. Yes, Mohamed Salah. I don't like that you've just revealed you're a Man City fan <laughs> right at the end of the podcast when we've been speaking to you for like 40 minutes. <laughs> uh, uh, so this may never get released yeah. now, but that is some, fight, some foots our team, that. Um, well, thank you, John, very much. Uh, it's been a really, really interesting conversation um, and I hope you enjoyed it as well. Um, and yeah. and all we can say is best of luck for the rest of the season. Looks like there's going to be some, some big things coming for Bloomsbury and for Hertfordshire Uni. Um, and yeah, let's hope that uh, the England under-19s do a little bit better tonight, um, but they're still obviously doing the country proud, aren't they? Yeah, no, as I say, fingers crossed on them. Um, I'm sure they'll do whatever they can tonight and I'm sure it'll be a tasty affair um, with the home crowd and, and home team as well. But massive thanks to you guys for, for giving me the opportunity to come on um, and speaking about the game as well. Well, I think that's it for now, guys. So thank you very much for yeah, listening. Thank you, John. And thank you, thank John. you, John. And we will see you guys next week. See you later. Cheers, guys.